Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Good morning, church. How we doing? Woo! All right, 1030. Uh, my name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here, and we are uh, excited that you're here with us. Uh, we're wrapping up our series on how to read the Bible, um, and so we're going to be getting into that in just a second. But just a quick heads up, next weekend, Valentine's Day. We couldn't think of a better thing to give you all for Valentine's Day uh, than to do our uh, annual State of the Church, uh, which just means we're going to talk about what happened last year and where we're going this year. Um, and so uh, we thought it would be a romantic gesture for you all. So make sure you don't miss out on that as be 8.30 or 10.30 service, uh, either one. Um, and, uh, and like I said, we are wrapping up our series on, uh, on how to read the Bible this week. And, and we're really excited just about the way that it's gone. It allowed us to kind of flex in a different direction. Usually we come, we preach, we uh, hopefully it's inspiring and that sort of thing. We've gotten the opportunity to lean more into the teaching side of things uh, through this series, which has allowed us to give you guys resources and different ways to be able to hopefully uh, connect a little bit deeper uh, with the Bible because our goal has been to, uh, to try to allow you to know, try to help you to know there are tools available to you that allows you to get into the Word in a more real way, maybe than you've done um, in before, and, or than you have before. Uh, but as we wrap up, um, we are going to be hitting on something that every single one of us who calls themselves a Christian at some point or another has, has probably struggled with. Um, if you are not new to faith, if you've been a part of uh, faith circles for a long time, um, then this will not be a new subject for you. Uh, but we want to make sure that each and every one of us know how to have a meaningful, quiet time. So if you have been in church for a long time, you have probably heard at some point or another, probably on a monthly basis, hey, go read your Bible, make sure you are praying great. Those are the basics for a meaningful, quiet time. But before we get into that, I just want to say, man, this message, probably more, more so even than for you, probably for me, uh, is, is kind of how it's feeling this morning, because I've had a week. Has anybody else had just one of those weeks that's just like, you know what, this is terrible. This is a rough. My wife agrees with me. Great. Um, it's because... So, so I've had a week. So for those of you who have raised your hand or, or even online, if you've had a week, maybe you are online because you have had a week and you're like, I can't do one more thing uh, and come, come to church today. Um, that being said, uh, man, it's been, it's been rough. We are, we are moving out of our old house. We are officially out of our old house now. Um, and so that's really, really good news. But you know, like as you're moving, um, you have to like take your stuff with you um, we, we did a whole bunch of packing, and then you have, like, the administrative side of everything, right? And so the administrative, like, you got to change addresses and tell the city that you're doing stuff because apparently they have to turn off utilities and, you know, all those different things that go along with the moving side of things. And then on top of that, you have to actually physically pack all of the things in boxes. And then once everything is in boxes, you then have to move it onto a trailer. So we were doing all of that stuff this week. And then it was on Wednesday. Uh, I came home for lunch and I'm talking uh, with my wife and we're having lunch together. And then all of a sudden we hear either uh, yelping or screaming coming from the backyard, both normal sounds that come from our yard on a regular basis with five kids and two dogs. 
Um, but it was a little bit different, a little bit more like panicked. And so it was either a hurt child or a hurt dog. Um, our dogs who play together regularly um, had decided that it was a good idea for one of them to get their bottom tooth hooked underneath the other one's collar. Um, and so they're trying to get apart, and the one who's hooked to the collar decided he wanted to roll, so he slowly started to strangle himself by putting a tooth tourniquet on his neck unintentionally. Um, and so I'm trying to calm down, trying to open my dog's mouth to get her tooth unattached to his collar, and then apparently, like, you're not supposed to put your thumb into a dog's mouth who is agitated and scared at the same time. So my 15-pound dog bit me um, right there. Um, and eventually we got them separated and the dogs were totally fine and my lovely wife was giving the dogs comfort and my thumb is dripping blood off of the end of it. Um, and so like most guys was like, mom, that doesn't look great. So I'm going to just wrap it up, clean it up. And I went back to work and uh, it slowly started swelling over the course of the day. Woke up the next morning. It was much more swollen and much more red. And I didn't want to be that guy. You know that guy that everybody, like, everybody's like, hey, you ask him what happened. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you say, like, you know something went wrong at some point, but no one wants to ask. I didn't want to be that guy who lost his thumb to an infection because his dogs got connected at the collar and he thought it was smart to put his thumb into an agitated dog's mouth and then not go and get it checked out. So I went to urgent care, got it checked out. No infection anymore, everybody. Praise the Lord. But if it starts turning black, let me know. Um, so we did that. And then we got the opportunity to move into a small trailer on the side of my in-law's house. And so um, it's been really, really a great week for me. Um, which goes without saying that it's been a much more difficult week for me now to be able to connect with Jesus. My quiet times have faltered a little bit this week. So when we talk about the idea of having a meaningful quiet time, I want to come at it from a place of authenticity and say, I don't do it every day. I don't have it all figured out. Okay? None of us do. That's okay. And so we want to progress and move forward knowing that quiet times are important. The opportunity to commune with God is important. And we're going to tear into a little bit of the why uh, as we continue. Because really the first time that I had been introduced to a quiet time, I was in sixth grade. I went to a camp, Hume Lake, um, and my leader would get up every single morning uh, about an hour before we did. And he would go out of the rooms like, what's that guy doing? Um, and he would come back and he would have coffee. So part of it was probably coffee. But then I asked him later on the, at, that day, I was like, hey, Jim, his name was Jim Beetle. Great guy, terrible name. Um, but, uh, but I was talking with Jim and I was like, hey, what do you do every morning? Um, and he was like, well, I get up. And I go and I read my Bible and I pray for the day and then I come back and I'm kind of ready to go. And in hindsight, after dealing with junior hires for an entire week uh, as a counselor, I recognize that he probably really, really needed that time just to get through the day. Um, but beyond that, he asked me if I wanted to come and do a quiet time with him the next morning. I was like, yes, let's do it. So I was excited. I mean, slept in my clothes, excited. Granted, I was a junior high boy, so I was probably doing that anyway. Um, and uh, I got up. He got me out of bed, um, or he woke me up anyway. And he was like, hey, come on. I was like, no, I'm going to do it uh, in my sleeping bag because it's warmer in here. So I opened my Bible, and I fell back asleep. And uh, that was my first quiet time. Um, and so, but, but just being exposed to quiet times and, and recognizing the importance of it. I wish I could say that was the last time that I've fallen asleep reading my Bible. It is not. And that is okay. So if you're like sixth grade me 
or you simply can't seem to find a meaningful way to connect with God on a regular basis, that we're going to give you some tips and some tricks today that will allow you to connect with him even better. Because each and every one of us can always improve on these skills, regardless of how long that we've been a Christian. And so for the sake of clarity, I want to say with this, we're going to get to scripture in just a second, but I want to say this. In order to have a quiet time, I think two things need to be present. And these two things we are going to assume for the rest of the series or for the rest of this message. So anything else I say, we are going to assume that these two things are present. Okay, the first thing that needs to be present is prayer. You need to have an opportunity and time to pray with and to God. The second one is you need to read the word. Okay, doesn't matter the order, but we are going to say that those two things have to be present as we are pursuing a quiet time with God. So we need to start with why though. Okay, why is it important for each and every one of us to connect and commune with God? If you call yourself a Christian, it is your responsibility to connect and commune with God. The reason is, is that God has called us into fellowship with his son. We see this in 1 Corinthians 1.9. This is what it says. It says, God is faithful, or God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, the term fellowship here, in this case, it means to share our lives. Okay? It means to, to become friends of the most intimate sort. Think about your best friends in life. Maybe it's your wife now or your husband now. Okay? Maybe you think back to those people, those friends that you had in those formative years, your high school years, your college years, that you think, man, these people are my best friends. And we recognize that though Jesus is king, that, that he is sovereign, he dwells with, with this humble heart for us. And he wants us to be able to enter in. Jesus has, has taken up residence in our heart. The spirit has taken up residence for us, as Paul says in Romans 5.5. 5. Yeah, the miracle is that Jesus, he wants to know me and Jesus wants to make himself known to me in increasingly more and more intimate ways. We need to know him. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 says that. We were created to love him. We were created to serve him. And above all, we were created to enjoy him forever. That is what we are supposed to do. Be in communion with his son. Be in fellowship with his son. And we can all recognize that that is a whole lot easier said than done. That's a great idea, Bible. Thank you. Let me tell you about my schedule. Okay? We recognize that. We get that. This can be a difficult thing. So as we get into these kind of two important aspects of quiet time, as we recognize the prayer and the reading and all of that stuff, man, we run into distractions. We run into interruptions and other things that we can just deem as more important, right? Going back to Sarah and I moving, um, it, was, it was like the last day that we were moving, okay, which would have been Friday, which meant that we had people at our house, like my mom and her husband were there and Sarah's parents came. We had a couple other people come and help out. Um, and so we had stuff to do. So I wake up and I'm like, let's go. We have to move. I'm going to, I have to get a couple more boxes. I got to get donuts. I'm going to stop for coffee, get everybody's coffee order because the best way to show appreciation to somebody who's giving up five hours of their day is a 50 cent donut, right? Like we have to do all of these things. And so uh, we got up, and uh, I'm out the door, and uh, I noticed that my wife had the audacity to get her Bible and plop herself in a chair next to our fireplace under a cozy blanket that we had yet to pack and do her quiet time. The nerve. 
we have stuff to do today, right? And so my tone wasn't very kind, and I left, and then I called, and I was like, you know, checking up. Hey, how are things going? Have you done anything yet? Something along those lines. And a very kind tone from the other end of the receiver said, yes, I'm doing my quiet time. <laughs> cool. All right. I'll be home soon with all of the errands that I've run, honey. You know, and so I came home. Reconciliation had to happen mostly on my part to her because I was uh, in the wrong there, obviously. But the audacity to do something like that right? When we have things that we have to get done. And I was frustrated because there were obviously things that were incredibly important that ha we had to do. But my, my wife, who I am okay making the hero of this story, my wife, in the midst of all of the important things, knew that she was going to love people well and put her best foot forward that day that she needed to start out her day in the way that we, that we remind you to do all the time, by sitting and doing a quiet time. So she had the opportunity to be more like Jesus that day to every single person that she came into contact with. And obviously, I had to go back and apologize and all of those things, but distractions or not, there is nothing more important in our lives than simply being with God. We have to make it a priority, and that's something we see Jesus do in Scripture as well, right? There's a lot of people who are like, well, tell me what Jesus did, because I really like that Jesus guy. I'm, All right, cool. Well, this is what Jesus did. He made it a priority, Mark 1, 35 to 38, okay? As we're reading through uh, this passage specifically, see if you can decide who my wife would represent and who I would represent in this metaphor. It's not actually a metaphor. It actually happened. But very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there. So I can preach there also. That is why I have come. There's things to do, Jesus. Where are, like people are looking for you. Where are you? And Jesus took the opportunity to go, to be quiet, to be able to commune with his father at that point so he could get filled up and go do what he was called to do, which in this instance was to go and teach the gospel. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely, lonely places and prayed. Love that word lonely there. Some translations have it as solitary, um, but that word lonely, that's a heavy, heavy word. Matthew 26, 36, this is even right before Jesus was about to be crucified, says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Even while Jesus was among his best friends, people that he had done uh, like Bible studies with, where he's like, hey, let's get together and talk about the things that I said and we could figure this out together, right? Even then he was like, no, I want you guys all to stay here and pray for me. I'm gonna go over there and meet with my father. I'm gonna go over there and spend time with him specifically. Jesus knew that he needed to, to have time with him. He knew that there was the strength, that was where the strength to get through his day was. The discipline of having a daily quiet time is designed to give a person undivided time with the Lord. If you're a note taker, go ahead. There's a slide for that one. If you're a note taker, you can go ahead and write that down. That the discipline of having a daily quiet time is designed to give a person undivided time with the Lord. And that's our goal with this. Because this friendship, that fellowship, you know, we talked about that word fellowship before. 
that fellowship with God came with a severe price. It came with a very, very severe price. John tells us that Jesus laid down his life for us in John 15, 13. It says this, there is no greater love than this that one lay down his life for his friends. You guys have probably heard that scripture before. Or maybe you heard it quoted a little bit differently. Greater love has no man than this that he lays down his life for his friends. Okay, outside of scripture, that quote is actually used in, uh, in Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, it's a great metaphor to the extent to, for the extent to which Christ went to secure a friendship with us. Okay, in the story, there's two guys, a guy named Charles and a guy named Sidney, Charles Darnay and Sidney Carton. And they're two people, they, they become really close friends. Okay, and Darnay happens to be thrown into a dungeon and faces, faces death, certain death, the next morning. Carton, on the other hand, he was a lawyer by profession and he had kind of piddled away his life through loose living in England. Just did whatever he wanted to do. And Carton hears of Darnay's predicament. Friends, right? They hear about what it is that went on. And through a series of circumstances, he gets himself thrown into the prison and specifically the cell where Darnay is being held. And on the night before his friend was to be executed, he switches clothes with him. And his friend Carton escapes to freedom while Darnay takes his place at being killed. Where then it says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Dickens quotes this passage. This is a, an exact metaphor for, for the severity and for the price that Jesus paid for us to be able to commune with him. For us to be able to have a quiet time with him in some way, shape, or form. This is Christ's love for his friends. See, Jesus has graciously invited each of us into his story. His friendship is life-changing. It's life-changing. This is the ultimate reason why we need to be able to draw aside and be near him. This is ultimately why we have a quiet time, because we all know that our relationships are what going to, are, are, are what going to influence us the most in our lives. Right? We've all heard this before, right? Whether it was from your parents when you were younger and they were like, hey, you need to make better decisions with who you're hanging out with. Right? They still tell me that about my buddy Caleb. Like, come on, Pete, be better. <laughs> but authors have talked about this regularly. Right? Mark Twain famously said, if you lie with dogs, you will get fleas. Right? If you lie with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Hey, you hang out with those things that have fleas, you're going to get fleas too. A Chinese proverb says this, life is partly what we make it and partly what is made by the friends we choose. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Our friends will shape who we are because they are the people that we spend time with. The people we are honest with, those are the people who we love and care about enough to let them shape our lives. And the more that we do that, the more that we do that with Jesus, the better off we're going to be in the long run because slowly but surely we will become more like Christ. Because you are a product of your environment. So the question remains then, that's the why, that's good. We want to be more like Christ, so we need to spend time with him. We need to spend time in fellowship with him. But the question remains then, how do I have a quiet time? So I talked to a few people about this. Namely, I talked 
Pastor Jeff was uh, my favorite conversation uh, with this. I said, Jeff, can you tell me the best advice? If you were to tell somebody what it is that you have to do to have an incredible quiet time, what would you say to somebody who asked you that question? And his very pastor only thought about it for a second. He said, you need two things. He said, you need to be quiet and you need to have time. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, man. So that was the extent of our conversation there, which is very factually true. I mean, we could say amen, call it a day, take communion. Um, but uh, but let's, let's be a little bit more specific here with a couple trips and tips and tricks that will maybe help you. The first one is have a consistent time. That's number one. Have a consistent time. Yeah, you type A's out there. You have this on your calendar. Like, I get it. You have it scheduled every day. When 30 minutes is up, it's time to close your Bible, even if you're mid-sentence, right? Like, we're done. We have it scheduled. But it's important in the process of kind of developing a regular and a meaningful quiet time where you can be alone, you can be away from distractions to nail down a specific time in, in, for, uh, during the day. And like I said, for some of you, this is going to be easier. Maybe it depends on your work schedule, right? For those of you who are like, I have to be in at eight o'clock, I clock out at five o'clock, like your day is structured every single day. It can be the exact same way until you get the weekends, right? So for some of you, it's easier. For some of you, you're like, hey, I have to, this day I have a meeting at 5.30 in the morning. I'm not going to get done until 9 p.m. at night. Like it's just going to shift and move and that sort of thing. My days are a lot more like that, where it's just like, well, it just depends on kind of what the day brings. For me, because our house is kind of so crazy in the morning, I get distracted pretty easily oftentimes. Uh, my wife, God bless her, she can sit in the middle of noise and chaos and, and still have the greatest quiet time in the world. Like if I hear anything else, I'm going to be distracted for five minutes. So for me, I get out of the house after like my wife and the kids are on their trajectory for the day. Um, and before I come into work, I will go park out in the parking lot back over there overlooking the field in my truck and just be quiet. Now that could be different times from day to day depending on what I had to do in the morning or what I have to get done in work, but there is a space that I have created, a time that I have created that says, okay, I'm done with the things that I have to get done with the morning with my family to set them up for success. I am not yet ready to enter into the, the chaos that is work sometimes. And so I'm going to sit here in my truck at this time. It could be, you know, eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, whatever time it happens to be before I come in here, I sit and I'm quiet with God. Okay, some of you may find evening a better time. It's up to you. Uh, you night owls, specifically, maybe you're like, you know what? Evening time is the best. I can kind of process my day through the lens of Scripture at that point. Totally good. Trial and error. Whatever it is that works for you. You know, maybe you're, you're a, a stay-at-home parent. You got young kids uh, who are still taking naps, and you're like, you know what? Nap time. After I take a short little nap myself, I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to get into the word a little bit. Just figure out what time it is, it is going to work for your schedule, right? 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. Set aside time each day or even as often as you can. I had a friend of mine um, uh, at my old church who they would read scripture for a couple hours on the weekend, pray earnestly on the weekend, and then they wouldn't read scripture the rest of the week. Okay? They consistently prayed throughout the rest of the week, but they took the week to process what it is that they learned. That worked for them. That's fine. Um, but whatever it may be, you need to find time to be able to draw near to the Lord. Okay? Guard this time. Ask the Lord specifically to, to just guard it for him. 
And it's important in developing, this is important for us to develop, to have a good habit, to pave the way, to be able to seek kind of that consistency. So that's the first one, have a consistent time. Second one is have a consistent place. Have a consistent place, okay? Uh, preferably not in front of the TV. You know, even when I'm in my truck, I need to be away from distraction. So, you know, my radio can't be on. I can't be listening to, you know, whatever it is that I'm listening to or anything like that. Um, and even have, the, uh, have a spot where you can pray out loud. Anybody else get distracted when they're praying in their heads? I do all the time. It's okay. That's okay. Hand raises are okay. Um, yeah, I get distracted super easily when I'm praying in my head. And so if, if it, there's a day where I'm just like, hey, I gotta pray, but I just keep, my head just keeps wanting to go in other directions to plan for the day or whatever it is, then man, I'll just start verbalizing it out loud. Because when I talk out loud, I'm not as easily distracted in that way. And so, I mean, it would, people may think I'm really, really weird if I was, you know, sitting in a public space like Starbucks and I'm talking out loud as I'm praying. So this space allows me to do that and not feel like I'm looking foolish or people confused or anything like that, right? So have a specific and a consistent place. And the last one is have a consistent plan. That's number three. Have a consistent plan. Okay, we don't want you to to show up in the morning, you know, show up to your quiet time with God and just be like, throw your Bible down, flip it open. You're like, oh, cool, Revelation. We're going to read in Revelation 18 today. That's what I'm pulling from it. And then leave. We want you to have a plan in place. We want you to recognize what it is that you are walking into. It's one of the reasons that we gave you a reading plan at the beginning of the year. We said, hey, look, this is what we are going to walk through. You want to walk through the Bible in a year with us? Great. And speaking of which, if you want to hop onto that train, they are still available in the lobby. You can also go to our website, and it's available on the front page right there as well. Um, But we put a reading plan in place. So that way, it's the one I'm using. So that way, I open up my Bible. I'm using that reading plan as a bookmark. And I'm like, what did I read yesterday? Cool. I know where I'm at today. I have a plan going into it. Not Not necessarily just for the scripture side of things. Okay, I recognize that, hey, when I just open my Bible and start reading without petitioning the Lord, without praying to God first, I'm not as receptive to it. Okay? It takes me a little while to be like, oh yeah, that's right, I'm having my quiet time. So I start by praying. Hey, I'm going to pray a little bit. And then after I'm done praying and just thanking God for how incredible he is, thanking God for oftentimes it's the beauty that surrounds me. And so as I'm sitting there and looking at this beautiful, freshly plowed field out here, depending on the season, like, God, thank you. Thank you for that. And calming my heart, calming my spirit, and then launch into reading. And then when I'm done reading, it's usually praying for my family and praying for the church and praying for, you know, my job and all those different things and people who are in my oikos, all those different things that I want to pray for after that. So I know that coming in, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to find out where it is that I'm supposed to read in scripture today, read it, and then I'm going to thank God and pray for other people who are in my life. That's my plan. And that's consistent for me. You know, there's other times where I love going into the mountains and just being quiet and reading scripture. Cool. That's okay, but having a consistent plan is going to be helpful to, for you to be able to get consistency. And, and I legitimately think those three steps, these three steps, I think that's it. And I don't think this is going to be mind-blowing for anybody. Like, I'm not coming here thinking that I'm going to break anybody's brains presenting this, because I'm not. The reason I present this is because I recognize, and you probably recognize as well, that having a quiet time is not difficult to do. There are not too many steps involved with a quiet time. There really isn't. 
I think the issue that we have is coming to a place of recognition that it's not that it's difficult, it's that I need to legitimately make time in my life to do it. That's why I spent so much time talking about the why this morning. Oftentimes we view our quiet time kind of as another thing to do, another part of our, our list that we have to get done. And I want, you, I want you to envision your quiet time not as another thing to do, okay? But I, I want you to envision it as an opportunity to deepen a bond of love that you have with a friend. Going back to that idea of fellowship. That I'm going to, be, I'm going to do my best to invest in my friend as he does his best to continue to invest in me better than I ever could. We should look forward to it like a kid looks forward to Christmas morning. You guys remember Christmas mornings? I mean, Christmas Eve's for me especially, right? Like you, you would come out, uh, or, or you would, for us, we would go to grandma's house, and like all, it was the best when all our cousins were already there, so we didn't have to wait. We just got to get straight into it, you know what I mean? And we would play with our cousins and talk about all the things that we wanted, and there were lights and laughter, and things smelled good, and I didn't have to do anything, right? I just like showed up. I was along for the ride, could eat as many uh, hors d'oeuvres as I wanted to eat and then just eat food and not have to worry about preparing any of it or cleaning any of it up or anything like that. And my biggest responsibility was not forgetting the line in the play that me and my cousins made up for all of our parents to see and clap for, even though I'm sure it was terrible. Right? And then we, we, we would go to sleep in grandma's room, go to sleep, but we would just stay up and think about, man, what do you, oh, what do you think? Is Santa going to come? What do you think Santa's going to bring us? And there's just like this anticipation and this excitement that, that, man, tomorrow morning, all of my dreams are going to be fulfilled. I cannot wait to wake up and partake in that. We don't think of our time with God in that, in that same sense. And I get it. It's hard. You know that you're going to wake up and there's not going to be a Red Rider BDB gun waiting for you wherever you do your quiet time or anything like that. Like we recognize that. Okay, but we also, I think, have diluted this idea of spending time with an eternal God. We've diluted this idea of our creator and how important it is and how, how incredible it is that we simply get the opportunity to meet with him, that we get the opportunity to commune with him. And my prayer is that God would fill our hearts with that sense of excitement and expectation as we come to fellowship with him every single day. We come to a quiet time with him with that expectation and see if the Lord rewards us for seeking him. Because Hebrews eleven six it says this, and without faith it is an impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Church, it's our responsibility to earnestly seek him. We talk about the free, the free gift of grace all the time. We will do a profession of faith at the end of this service that says, hey, if you admit, believe, and choose Jesus, you get the opportunity to go to heaven. And that's great, and it's free, and you don't have to do anything to earn that. But once we have made that choice, it's our responsibility then to earnestly seek him. And I believe that you cannot earnestly seek him without prayer and reading his word and doing that on a consistent basis. And we want to be a church that is biblically measured. 
We want to know and understand Scripture, not just because of knowledge, but because we want to reflect God. And we will as long as we continue to spend time with him. Because when you lie with dogs, you come up with fleas. As iron sharpens iron, maybe be the better one there. So one man sharpens another. We want to make sure that God is rubbing off on us. We want to spend as much time with him as possible because without spending time with God, you will not look like him. You will not reflect him. It's our responsibility to earnestly seek him. We want to come to a place of being able to commune with him daily. And church, it's your responsibility. It's our responsibility to do so. So my challenge to you this week really is just that. Find consistency. Do five days in a row this week. Say, hey, for five days, I'm going to find a consistent time, place, and plan. That's it. That's all I'm challenging you. Just weekdays, too. I'll give you Saturday off. Five days. Time, place, and plan. That's it. We're going to transition to, to, to communion now. It's our first weekend of the month. And so if you, if you don't have a communion supplies, you can throw your hands up in the air. Um, and our ushers will take care of you. They have some, some more supplies there. But even as we come to this idea of communion, I want you to hear me on this, is, is, is the type of communion, the theology of the communion that we believe in uh, or that we practice here, you may have a different belief, but what we practice here is the idea of memorialization is what it's called. There's a whole bunch of different, there's three main different different thoughts regarding communion. But the whole reason that we take communion here is not because that we think that Jesus, it's actual Jesus's blood or actually uh, his body or anything like that. What we are doing is we are memorializing what Jesus did for us on the cross. We are memorializing, we are remembering. Think about a time, maybe you've been to Arlington Cemetery or any place you've been in memorial where a sacrifice happened and you get the opportunity to sit there and be thankful for that sacrifice that happened. That's what we do during communion each and every month, the first weekend of the month. And so while we get the opportunity to commune with God in this very specific way today, we also get that opportunity to commune with him every single day. There is something special, there is something spiritual about communion, absolutely. But we get the opportunity every single day to commune with him. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, 28. It says that everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. No one else, not your spouse, not a priest or a pastor or anybody else, that you ought to examine your own heart before you partake of the bread and drink from the cup. So we're gonna do that today. But we also believe in what we call an open table here. An open table means you do not have to be a member of our church in order to take communion with us. You simply need to be a member of the body of Christ, which means you have to have said yes to Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray in just a second. We'll take communion together. I'm going to pray in just a second. But if you have not yet said yes to Jesus, we would love for you to do so this morning and then partake in your first communion with us as a, as a believer of Christ. So bow your heads. Heavenly Father, God, we are, I am so thankful for your word. God, I'm so thankful for the Bible and the depth and the breadth of your word. 
God, that even in these, these six weeks and the different tools that we may have gotten the opportunity to give in, it always comes back to the fact that, that you are good. It comes back to the fact that we want to commune with you as you have sent your son in such a way that allows us to do so. That a severe price was paid for us to be able to meet with you. And God, I pray that, that you would give us a sense of urgency in our lives. to be able to come to your word, to be able to commune with you. And so God, I pray right now that we would all search our hearts. That if there's anything that's weighing us down, if there's anything that we need to, to apologize to you for, that we would just take a second right now and we would just confess those things to you, Father. Not out loud, just in the quietness of your own heart, say, God, just take this from me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. that we would take this opportunity to get right with God. And maybe you're new to faith here, whether you're in person or online, and, and you have yet to say yes to Jesus. And you want to do that today, then you, it is as simple as in the quietness of your heart, you don't have to say it out loud. Just repeat after me, say, Father, hey, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. God, I recognize that I sin every single day and fall short of your glory. I'm sorry. But B, I believe that you sent your son to die on a cross for me, to die on a cross for my sins so that I could be with you forever. And I believe he didn't just stay on that cross. I believe he didn't stay in the ground. I believe he conquered death. And so that when my body dies here, my spirit gets to be with you forever. Thank you for that. And see, I choose to follow you every single day which indeed pertains to the idea of communing with you, of being in fellowship with you, of finding a place and a time and a plan to meet with you. God, thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray, amen.